0: Okay, so I'll sing our invocation. This is an invocation song called "Jai Radha Madhava."
1: Jai Madhava. Jaya Kunja Dihare Jaya Radha Madhava Jaya Kunja Dihare Gopi Janabala Abha Jaya Girivada Jaya Girivada Dari Gopi Jana Balavha Jaya he reva jaya jee de vartha yashodanananda jaya bhrajjan jaya braj janan janam jaya braj janan nandana jaya braj janan janam jaya braj janan RANJANA jana jab na chira vanachare jay khunja deha YAMUNATIRA VONACHAARI JAYE KUNJA VIHARE YAMUNATIRA VONACHAARI JAYE KUNJA VIHARE Yamunatiravanachari Jai Kunja Vihari
0: Hare Krishna So today our talk is called The Many Lives of Mr. India, and I have some on Facebook and some on uh, Zoom, let's see, you can go to Radha Kalachanji Temple, Dallas, Facebook, and if you post any questions, okay, so I'll bring, start with our invocation.
1: Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāyā Om Namo Bhagavate Vāsudevāyā Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya Om Namo Bhagavate Vasudevaya
0: So this is a story. Oh, the volume's on.
1: There we go. There
0: we go. No volume. Hare Krishna. This is from an ancient book called the Srimad Bhagavatam. And it's a story of Mr. India. Why do I say Mr. India? So India, for many thousands of years, has been known by the name of Bharat. If you go to India and you have... A rupee note, on the rupee note you'll see this word written in Hindi or Sanskrit, Bharata. And this is thus named after a great king, son of Rishabdev, many thousands of years ago. So there was once a, a great king. He was very pure in his spiritual practices. He performed all kinds of various... Sacrifices, Um, he did charity, he performed all the spiritual religious duties meant for a king. And at an early age, he decided to achieve his sadhya, his goal, his perfection. And he decided to leave everything behind. Now this man was not just the king of uh, Gujarat, he was the king of the entire not only India, he was understood to be the king of the entire world. And for us it may seem very easy to give up something. How many of you are e- easily give up your money for a good cause? I can see, imagine how hard it is then. How many of us are able to uh, pack up everything that we're doing and just put, give up all our, 10% of our energy for our own spiritual progress? Not easy. This, this young man, um, he did this, although being the king of the entire globe. And at the time, the main process of spiritual emancipation was the process of Ashtanga Yoga. And so, in the, usually in the latter part of one's life, one engages in meditation in the forest. They're called vanaprastas. Vana means forest, like you probably heard of the word nirvana. Vana in that sense means the forest of variety. And the Buddhist aspires to attain Nirvana, that place of no variety, or paranirvana, that spiritual reality without the material variegatedness. And so he was a vanaprastha, a person who left everything to go to the forest. And so he was engaged in his meditation. Isn't it? We see a lot of people um, getting interested in the process of meditation these days. Um, some of it can be a little artificial because you find that meditation, according to the tradition, according to the ancient literature, it is not something done for a few minutes. It's to seek the end game of meditation. One has to imbibe the life fully, meaning one has to give up intoxication give up adultery, has to leave, go to the forest, live very simply. Now, that is not to say one cannot uh, take in the benefits of the process of meditation in their practical life. Not that one can pra- cannot practice pranayama. But to hope to achieve the same goal that this King Bharat was going to achieve um, by meditation is kind of lofty because these yogis would meditate in such a way that they would stop eating not for days for months and years so for most people quite impossible let's see go back to our book of faces what does it say there Okay, hopefully the volume doesn't kick back on. All right, you got some people there. Hare Krishna. I got Brendan, our Srimad Bhagavatam reciter. Good to see you. Hare Krishna. So this king, he was sitting in meditation. And at some point he heard a great roar from a... Lion, not a tiger, not the tiger king, but of a lion. Um, there is a video that is that I saw recently. You probably can just type the word cheetah and deer, and you may find it. So there was a deer uh, drinking water at the side of a river, pregnant deer, and as soon as that deer heard the roar of the lion, it jumped over the the creek and its offspring came out immediately. Now, that may sound very odd, but there's a video where you can see this take place. There's a video where um, there is a pregnant deer laying on the ground and a cheetah runs right up to it. And as soon as the, the deer notices and jumps up, its baby comes immediately out. Instantly. So the same thing happened to this deer in this story. You could, but you can see this video for yourself to see uh, how that scene may take place. And the deer just came out. The, the doe, the baby deer, came out immediately. So as soon as he, uh, she heard the roar, she jumped over the 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 creek, and the baby deer was beginning beginning to get washed away, and the mother deer ran off, and then later passed away. And the king was in his meditative state, but he did notice the roar of a lion. He opened his eyes, and he ran over, and he saved the baby doe. Jumped in the river, saved the baby doe, dried dried the little baby off. And began to nurse this deer, make sure that it was healthy, give it nice green grass. Um, it uh, protect it, protect the deer in so many different ways. And he did this in his own hermitage, and he did this for many, many months. The deer became, started to grow, started to become healthy and become stronger. And he became very, very attached to that deer. He would say, Oh, my dear, dear. How dear out there, how much I dear love you. At first, he was thinking that, that this, yeah, this is, it is the duty of someone to protect others. But at this point, it started to become a transgression of his own spiritual duty to make sure that he doesn't forget Who he is and what life is all about. So, what is life all about? Material life is not about, uh, life is not about just attaining some type of good job or uh, attractive features or um, some, achieve some, uh, some position where we get some fame. Because all those things will fade away and the self is actually eternal. We are not this body, we are this soul within the body. And as being the eternal soul in a temporary body that changes, we find that all these things that we're trying to satisfy ourselves with do not satisfy. We don't find actual satisfaction. Therefore, the king his desire was to attain his eternal relationship with God, to connect with God in this eternal relationship, and he was doing his meditation to achieve that um, that end gain to achieve a loving connection to the Supreme. But now he was becoming extremely enamored with this deer, and there are various descriptions how he was becoming very, very much obsessed with this deer. The Bhagavatam generally gives extraordinary stories just so we can understand um, how difficult spiritual life may be and how we have to be very careful how we have to be very diligent to watch how we are progressing. So who do we have watching so far? So at this point, the the point where his attachment was very, very strong and he forgot because he was actually developing a deep loving attachment to Krishna, to God. At, At a certain point, that young little doe disappeared and he began to run all around, running through the forest. My dear, dear, where are you? And as he was running, at some point, he fell into a ditch. His legs were broken. He was injured from the fall and he began to die. And as he was in that situation, as he was dying, he saw the deer from the top of that. He probably fell into a well or some kind of ditch. He saw the deer poking its head up, looking with concern down at him. And looking at that deer, in that state, he died. So in the Bhagavad Gita, it describes how we can know where do we go when we die? Sometimes a person will get a, a pamphlet. Um, you know, do you accept Jesus Christ? Do you know if you're going to heaven? One of our points is that for the pure devotee, he really actually just wants to attain a state of loving relationship that his relationship cannot be hampered by material situation but he does not necessarily want the reward of heaven he wants to attain, attain that deep loving relationship so this king he became a deer in his next life and the bhagavad gita explains the science of the transmigration of the soul that when we what we meditate on at the time of death, that will decide what kind of body we get uh, in our next life. For example, I know one, one of my friends, he had experience of drowning and he had the experience that his life flashed before his eyes at the time of death. He was a young man at the time. Now he is 70 years old. But he remembered very clearly how he His whole life was flashing before his eyes. And he also remembered the instruction of one of his Catholic nuns, his teachers in the uh, boarding school that he was in. And he he remembered the instruction at that moment, just think of God at the time of death. And he attempted to do that. But his consciousness was just infected, or uh, uh, absorbed in his life. And because his life had nothing to do with God at the time, all he could think about was what was the the meditation of his life. So he thought about girls and partying. Those are the two things he thought about. And he felt he had some kind of intuition that this would not lead to a, a good destination. So at that point, that's when he got really serious about what is to, trying to understand what is life all about. Uh, he questioned his priest because he had a, a brother that was repeatedly going through brain surgery. And he was asking, why is my brother suffering in this way? And he couldn't get intelligent answers. So that led him outside of his tradition, um, at some point, there was atheism, then Buddhism, then it came to Advaita Vedanta, which is Advaita Vedanta is the non-dual philosophy of of the v- v- Vedic literature, and then from that point, he learned about the, Isha, the Bhagavad Gita and the Isha Upanishad. Actually, he got a copy of the Isha Upanishad. and once he read that book, the next day he became a monk at the Hare Krishna Temple. This was many years ago. So this young man, who now became a deer, he actually did progress quite profoundly in his spiritual life. But due to to some mishap, due to uh, some neglect, somehow he was not fully 100% God-conscious at the time of death. In fact, he was deer-conscious. And so his next life he was born as a deer, but as a deer he could remember his past life, that was a blessing, because of by the the dint of his spiritual practice, it helped him to the Lord helped him to remember his past life. So, as a deer, he decided, "Okay, I'm not going to be an ordinary deer. I'm going to uh, go to the hermitages where the yogis are engaging in." Chanting Vedic literature, where they're engaging in talks of spiritual subjects, when they're engaging in meditation. I'm going to be around that environment, and but thus by being in that around an environment, I will become my consciousness will be elevated. So as uh, as a deer, he lived his whole life in this manner, and his next life he was born again as a human, and in fact he was given the same name Bharat. This time he was named as Jad Bharat. Jad is kind of stone or dull. Oftentimes in Vedic literature your the name would be very much in relation to the person, their character. And sometimes that was understood prior to the you know seeing any type of character, just like through the astrology, or sometimes it was uh, given later on in life, like Krishna was named Gopal, the protector of the cows, or Govinda, the one who gives pleasure to the cows. Some of these names, uh, he had so many names that people began to call him by the uh, by the dint of his certain activities or leelas. So Jad Bharat, this third lifetime, at that lifetime, he still could remember what he was doing in his previous lifetime. He could remember his life as a deer. And he could remember his life as a king. And in this life he decided that he did not want to have any type of uh, distractions. He did not want to be uh, become involved very much in the responsibilities of of material life. Now, one disclaimer here. Just like in the Bhagavad Gita, Arjuna was a warrior and he wanted to use spiritual life to uh, avoid various responsibilities. For most people, in almost all circumstances, the, the proper action for them in spiritual life is to stay what they're already doing and engage and somehow connect that in the service of God. But certain people, it is is not for them to do. It's for them is to give up everything. For example, if you're going to die in 10 hours, should you continue working your job or should you give up everything? If you um, are 88 years old, should you be working hard still to become very uh, powerful in your career or should you give up everything and work hard to... Uh, bring your consciousness closer to Krishna. So that's a little disclaimer here. So Bharat Maharaj, he had already, he had, atti- he had attained a very high level of spiritual advancement. So he decided that he was going to give up everything. And, to, and, and to, in order to do this, he put on a facade that he was, Uh, mentally handicapped, the word was avadut, like a madman, Uh, one may say like a severely autistic person, he basically behaved to the the world that he did not have all the um, high-functioning intelligence, that he was just a very simple, inept human being, that he couldn't really do much. And because of that, he thought people would not take him very seriously. They would not try to get him into a career, get him married, give him all kinds of responsibilities. And that way he could just focus on his meditation internally. Because of this, he was abused. People used to throw rocks on him. Some people used to throw, you know, to, you know, toss urine on him, uh, hit him, do all kinds of things. Because they would see this man and sometimes people that are um, autistic are sometimes abused by others. So he was abused by others. But he just took it this as an opportunity to practice his deep meditation and not be affected by the external world. So let's see if we have any notes here. So yeah, here we are. He's going quite wild about the deer. He's quite absorbed. Let me see. I have some. There's probably some really nice pictures here that I can relate. So even his brothers used to abuse him. His... Um, Father did not think very much of him. There's, you can see, I'll show, there's him with the deer. you see that. And because he was such as appearing as such a simpleton, some people s- sought to employ him kind of like a human, um, what is the term? When you have it out on the farm, there's, the Tin Man, there's the lion with the four from the that movie and book. Scarecrow. Yeah, sorry. So he, he was kind of like a human scarecrow. He would just uh, sit on top of a platform. And just by being there, uh, different past different animals that may destroy the field wouldn't come by because they would notice there was some person or some creature there. Um. Let's see, I have one question. Is there any significance why it was a deer that he was obsessed with? Well, he he began, You did you, I don't know if you heard from the beginning, he saved the deer's life from infancy, and he began to take care of the deer. And so uh, from that, taking care of the deer, he became more and more attached, and that attachment became sort of an obsession. And so while he was uh, standing on top, or sitting on top of this platform, in this job that he was employed in, he, as opposed to any other, I know, okay, I think, as, why he was in that position, some but, uh, some thieves, they noticed that there is this man, he seems kind of almost like an animal, he's not really there. They, they would call him a, a man animal. And these thieves were, they they like to perform various dark, uh, bloody sacrifices in order to, in hopes of achieving some kind of uh, benefit in their acts of thievery. And so I thought this, if we do a human sacrifice, we sacrifice this, this man, animal we see sitting on that platform, then surely Goddess Kali will help us and our thievery, and so they they started to talk to him, and they said, "Okay, he doesn't seem like he's all there." And so they just kind of escorted him to their their Kali temple, and they were they had him you know put his head on the place where his and you know, they would chop the head off for a goat. He, they did not even tie him up. He just seemed to um, just. Cooperate with whatever, uh, whatever instructions that they gave him. They seemed like just a complete simpleton. Oftentimes, even a goat, uh, if it is being taken to slaughter, because it doesn't have much intelligence, it, it's thinking about food or about mating and things like that. So he was behaving in that way because he did not. He was his meditations were all internal, and so. He was. They took out this huge blade, and they were just about to cut off his head, and the deity of Kali broke open, and the actual form of the goddess came out, with her all her. um, She has her escorts, some witches, all kinds of female. Uh, dark species. There's some pictures here. Let's see, if you can see. see that? And can you see this? All these goddesses, including the du- goddess Durga, they're all servants of the Lord. And so she became very upset because this is the, the, um, the servant of whom she serves is being abused. And so she killed all those thieves. And then later on, this Bharat, he was wandering around, and he was quite muscular. That's why I said, you know, not only is Bharat his name, India is named after him, Bharat, but he's also Mr. India in the sense that he's he's quite buff. And some some soldiers and some men of the king, they saw this man. He's very very buff and doesn't seem very bright. And they thought, okay, this guy's perfect. We'll make him a palanquin carrier. So they escorted him over and similarly he just just went along. Um still he's being engaged in things, but he's not he does he doesn't really have Big responsibilities on uh, put on him. He doesn't have to you know discuss with anybody or anything like that. He just you know grabs the palanquin and starts carrying the king. The king starts to notice that the palanquin starts to jerk every once in a while, and he becomes very annoyed. And what is happening is that because. Bharat is a great devotee he ha, he's very soft hearted so he does not want to step on any of the ants that are on the ground. so as he's carrying the palaquin he's very careful and he's moving in various ways to make sure he doesn't step any on any bugs and so the king gets out and he becomes he comes very upset and he speaks very sarcastically he says, "I see you uh, that you're very." weak, you're very old. Uh, And he says all these sarcastic things because Bharat is young, He's he's very strongly built. And so far, there are actually many chapters that are speaking about Bharat. But Bharat has not spoken at all. Let's see. Is the goddess Kali synonymous with the age of Kali? And why would she aid thieves accepting a human sacrifice? No, she killed all those thieves. And no, Kali and uh, what Kali, uh, the goddess Kali, is a Kali. Two is a long A and a long I, and the age of Kali is different. It's a, his, the age of Kali. The personification of the age of Kali is actually a male. It's not not a female. So two different personalities, and she did not aid them. That was their misconception. She ended up killing them. This intolerant of the offenses, the infuriated goddess Kali flashed her eyes and displayed her fierce curved teeth. Her reddish eyes glowed, and she displayed her fearsome features. She assumed a frightened body, as if she was prepared to destroy the entire creation. Leaping violently from the altar, she immediately decapitated all the rogues and thieves with the very sword, which, which they had intended to kill, Jad Bharat. And the scene gets even more gruesome after that. The, the witches and all kinds of rakshashis begin to drink the blood from the heads of the thieves. Okay, let's see if I can find the part. So yeah, the king, he, he and he also threatened the the Jadbar. Let's see. Okay, here we go. At first he got upset at the palanquin dry, uh, carriers, and they're all saying, no, no, it's, it's that one guy, that big, small, strong guy, doesn't seem to be all there. Okay, so here's the king speaking to Bharat. He said, How troublesome this is, my dear brother. You certainly appear to be very fatigued, carrying this palanquin alone without assistance for a long time. So everything he's saying is sarcastic. Besides that, due to your old age, you have become greatly troubled, my dear friend. I see that you are not very firm, nor very strong, or stout. And this way he now, for the whole time, we have not heard Jadad Bharat say anything, so at this point, he begins to speak. I got some so he he, he first he was warned by the king, and the king, he king got back up on the palaquin, and then after he came back out, he 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 became very angry and he said, "What are you doing?" And he So the king, here we go. let's see. My dear king and hero, whatever you have spoken sarcastically is certainly true. Actually, these are not simple words of chastisement, for the body is the carrier. The load carried by the body does not belong to me, for I am the spirit soul. There is no contradiction in your statements, because I am different from the body. I am not the carrier of the palanquin. The body is the carrier. Certainly, as you hinted, I have not labored, he so you says, so you're not working hard. He's like, yeah, I have not been working hard, for I'm detached from the body. You said I'm not strong and stout, and these were befitting for a person who does not know the distinction between the body and the soul. So he says the body may f- be fat or thin, but lo- no learned person would say that about the soul. I am not this body, therefore I'm not fat, nor thin, nor young, nor strong. And in this, fatness, thinness, bodily mental distress, thirst, hunger, fear, disagreement, these are all bodily conceptions that do not actually address the actual entity, the soul inside the body. And so this is the beginning of many, many chapters. The king gets off his palanquin. And he sits with his knees bowing towards Mr. India, Jada Bharata, and asks him, you know, please tell me, please, please tell me the goal of life. So I'll stop here and see if we have some reflections or some comments or questions. Hare Krishna. Welcome anybody who's watching. Hare Krishna Okay we will stop here thank you very much om tat sat thanks a lot haribol